You'll light it. I'll light it and I'll I'll attribute you bringing the candle. Three weeks ago tonight, I, uh, I heard that uh, our uh, dear Sangha member, dear friend Carlos Ramirez, uh, had uh, gone into the hospital with uh, brain tumors, and uh, I had a feeling that night that uh, when I spoke about him that I was uh, eulogizing him, but... Uh, but it is only uh, within the last uh, 48 hours that he has passed away. Uh, those of you who've been here and uh, know about Carlos um, may, um, may already be aware of this. But uh, I just wanted to acknowledge Carlos, who was a really special, special, bright light in our Sangha, a poet, a singer, a wild man, of a character who, you know, lit up the room, uh, whatever room he was in, and with such a, a, a kind of, of joy and delight. And he, he was the, to me, and the more I think about him, he was the epitome of, in this sangha, of uh, mudita, of appreciative joy, of sympathetic joy, really able to join in, in whatever was... Uh, was and take delight in everything and everyone. Uh, I'm sure he may have had his. Uh, everybody has their shadows, but uh, but he was a he at least in terms of the teachings of the Buddha that element called mudita or altruistic joy, which is one of the practices we will do over the course of our uh, the next month. For those of you who are interested in the 30-day practice period, but of the four boundless qualities of, of a human being, the qualities that are most expressed by, by one who is awake, the qualities of love, of compassion. Of, of, uh, the third one is appreciative, altruistic, or um, altruistic joy, appreciative joy. And the last one is equanimity. Of those four, love, compassion, joy, and equanimity, uh, appreciative joy is the most difficult one to accomplish because of our tendency toward envy, jealousy, judgment, all the things that, that keep us from feeling, uh, that, are, that keep us from feeling that easy joining with, with others' good fortunes or the happiness of others. And so he was, he just had it down, as far as I could tell. And we will, we will all miss him, and I wanted to uh, light a candle and Catherine, our dear Catherine, brought this candle to light for Carlos this evening. He'd be laughing right now, I'm sure. <laughs>
But I also want to acknowledge uh, Linda Atkins, who is uh, who's very close to Carlos and has been uh, was looking after him uh, day in and day out uh, during the time of his uh, passing. And she probably doesn't want any attention, but uh, but when when someone passes away. You know, in the Tibetan tradition, they read the Tibetan Book of the Dead to that person. And in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, over and over, they will read to that person. And I, I want to first talk about um, addressing Carlos and, and his passing. But then uh, what we do as, uh, as community, as, as human beings, is we also really resonate we reverberate with the with the loss that uh, the people who are still here experience, and it's and often we don't uh, all the caretakers of this world, all the the people who experience loss. You know, we, our focus tends to go on the people who who are ill or who are lost, who have who have passed away, and often where the love is really needed, where the compassion is really needed, where the care is really needed, is those who are left and those who are lost. So we want to hold everyone uh, around Carlos, anyone who loved Carlos, anyone who feels the loss of Carlos, uh, or any other losses for that matter. He, Carlos would want us to think of all beings, not just for him and his loved ones. But to Carlos, uh, one of the things that we can offer maybe something that's not offered in his uh, in the circle of of his near and dear ones but what we can offer and what we can offer ourselves in offering it to Carlos uh, is the we can offer the sentiment because I don't have the exact quote with me this evening the sentiment of the uh, the Tibetan book of the dead which is really a teaching on how we should live our lives it's meant for the it's meant for the person who is passing to how they navigate of course you, you may not believe in the in the cosmology or in the in the some of the views of what happens when a person dies but in the tibetan t- tradition a person goes through what are called the bardos these gaps uh, these spaces and during the 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 49 days following their death, and there may be, other people may have different uh, data around this, but for 49 days, they travel through the, the various bardos, through the spaces, revisiting different planes of, of their own experience. And the Tibetan Book of the Dead is just reminding them to remember what they're, who they really are, just as I invited you to remember that uh, that you are uh, all the experiences that you have in your meditation. Don't get caught up in them. See them come and go. Rest in that primordial openness, in that natural awareness. It's it's all you're already free. I I intimated that in the instructions this evening. So the Tibetan Book of the Dead reminds that to the person who is who is dying, and it's a reminder to all of us. And it goes something like this. And we can all reflect on it and send it to Carlos because he may be in this process of, of transmigration. Who knows? He, there's, after this 49 days, uh, how he navigate, how one navigates the different visions that come determines, uh, determines where they're, 
next rebirth. So we don't know for sure. Not one person here knows for sure what happens. But it's possible that we transmigrate, that, that, that we, are, we are born into a new existence, and that is determined by, uh, the, by our karma, by what we do with our, our mind during those times. So it goes like this. Remember the clear light. That sounds like everyday meditation instructions. Remember the clear light, the bright, shining white light of your own nature. It is deathless. The visions you experience within your consciousness are made of that same clear, bright, white light. And if you recognize this, you'll be liberated. So when these visions come, the beautiful ones, the ugly ones, the, all the different visions, don't cling to them. Recognize them as just an aspect of that clear, bright light. Then you will be liberated. Because if you follow the visions, if you follow all the thoughts and images that go through your mind, you will wander a long time confused. So remember that pure light, that bright, shining white light of your own nature, and know that all the visions that you experience, everything that your, come, your mind comes up with, is that an expression of that light, and rest in that natural uh, radiance of your own mind. Uh, and may, your, may you be happy, may you be free, may you, have a, um, may you have a very fortunate rebirth. This is the Tibetan book. And when I say that, you may, you may think, oh, a fortunate rebirth. So we don't have to, we don't have to, as listeners, as we're sending this to Carlos, we don't have to believe that there is actual uh, rebirth in a different plane. But we know for ourselves the way that every moment visions arise in our mind. And when we, and we have a thought of ourselves, a thought of our mother, a thought of tomorrow, a thought of yesterday. We have so many thoughts that go through our mind. Some of them are pleasant, some of them not so pleasant. And each time that we somehow incarnate in our thoughts, each time that we believe that a thought of ourselves is ourselves, or a thought of tomorrow is tomorrow, a thought of yesterday is yesterday, every time we aren't able to see that thought as just an empty expression of the nature of our mind, we're literally taking birth in our thoughts. So we do it again and again. So you can think of it as taking birth or getting caught in, in your mind. Any of you here ever get caught in your mind? This is, we get caught because we are, we have incarnated. And we again and again in our life tend to fall into a case of mistaken identity. We tend to identify much more with our thoughts than the simple, indescribable, unbound, free nature that you are right now before you can think. And even while you're thinking, if you notice it. But we're busy thinking of ourselves based on the past. Because even the notion right now, as we sit here in this pure, clear, white light, even the notion I'm a person is born of the past. It's an idea. Or I'm a man, or I'm a woman, or whatever role it is. If I, if I take that to be who I am, I miss the, the, I miss the light. 
So especially uh, as Carlos makes this transition, uh, he or someone who does not have the the anchor of the of the physical body to to remind us, I'm here. I'm not definable by the past or the future. We can all do that right now. He may not have that advantage. So that's why we sent, we remind him again and again, just as we're reminding ourselves, remember the clear light, the bright, shining white light of your own nature. The visions you experience exist within your consciousness. They will all pass in time. The beautiful ones, the ugly ones, don't cling to them. Let them go. These visions are made of the same clear, bright, white light as everything else in the universe. To realize this, you will be liberated. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be free of suffering. May you uh, be liberated. So we wish with all our hearts, please try to put all of your concentrated attention, with all our hearts, for a peaceful transition for Carlos, and with all our hearts, envelop all of Carlos's near and dear ones. That includes you who are here that knew and loved Carlos. May everybody, um, everyone's hearts be at ease. May Carlos, may his heart be at ease. May we all hold the light that Carlos holds as our guide. He's a great guru. He's a great teacher. He brought that light to everyone he touched. Thank you all for remembering Carlos with me and his near and dear ones. I was thinking uh, tonight about, um, because I, I read and I would like to, is it okay if I read the poem? I read the poem that uh, Noemi, who's sitting right in the front row, wrote to Carlos on his, the Carebridge site. And he, he, Carlos brought Noemi to the sitting group. I met Carlos 30 years ago at Mission Pool down the street. <laughs> We used to swim, <laughs> and I was, uh, he, he was so quick and easy to strike up a conversation, and, uh, and you could tell he was a, a dreamer, a poet, a, uh, but sometimes when he would come here, 
he would really, he would just completely delight in the Dharma. Just love the teachings, love the, love the whole spirit of it. But sometimes he would hear a word and he would just go off on the word. And he would come back with a play on the word that maybe had nothing to do with what we were talking about. But it was with such gusto and such delight. And I, I have to admit, I both took delight in it and sometimes I felt irritated. <laughs> like, Carlos, chill. <laughs> and then I was reminded of this when I read... Uh, I read Noemi's poem, which I'm about to read, and, and it, it just reminded me of all the, the characters in our lives who can be both, who we just adore, we love, but they can be, we can be irritated, or we can be, uh, we can be irritated, we could be impatient, we can be dismissive, we could just, we not, maybe don't stop and really take them in. But this is a, this is a moment where we realize that uh, where he reminds us that that uh, we won't know that person forever. They they will be gone, and it's just a reminder to me to. It will help me actually, hopefully, when I do feel irritated with somebody that maybe the thought will rise: this person's going to die someday. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not to develop a whole drama about people dying. <laughs> you get what I mean, don't you? <laughs> anyway, let me let me read. No, I'm. I'll make a mess of this tonight, so I want to read. This is called Dancing with Carlos. Do you mind if I give a little background? This is, the, the poem starts with Carlos's outgoing message on his machine, on his, vo- on his voicemail. You've reached 285-2166. That's so you have up to three minutes to say your hello. And if you need more time, just dial once again the same tune will greet you, and then he goes, wah, 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 dancing with bears, tall ones, short ones, brown ones, black ones, shaggy ones, baggy ones too, that's it, bye. <laughs> this was your outgoing message on your answering machine. Oh, I see. Your beautiful voice singing a greeting to everyone who called, an invitation to sing back, to play and dance with you, and to live in joy. I remember when I first heard this whimsical ditty, my heart burst into laughter, and for a year or so, I'd smile in delight, welcoming something other than the tired old, this is so-and-so, leave a number and I'll call you back. But then as time passed, I grew impatient and no longer wanted to dance with the bears. <laughs> I just wanted to hear the damn beep so I could leave my message so I could leave my message once. I did learn that there was a way to forego the one minute hello, but I always forgot how. 
And now, as I say goodbye, my big brother, I know I will never hear you sing your song of howdy or see you again, yet I also know, my dear sweet Carlos, you will always be dancing and singing in my heart and in the eternal flow of love. Really beautiful. And I know I read this I read this uh, three weeks ago, but I'm going to read it again, one of Carlos's poems. A reminder of how one, how one gets that connection with life. Question, what can I offer the world today as one of those beings who loves to sway, as a flower, a tree, who reveres the breeze, plus the gifts of sunstar power, What can I offer the world today? What can I offer the world today as a leaf, as a bee, as a simple me, an ABC of inexplicable mysteries? What can I offer the world today? So that is a a song of, of metta, of love and kindness, which is our main topic for for this month, and um, I just think for our whole life that uh, real secret to, to join with others in offering our offering love, offering caring, offering joy, appreciative joy and and offering that that presence, that unshakable balance that comes from being rooted in the present moment, taking in life. I since last week I talked much more about loving-kindness, just about the expression of, of the foundation of the, what are called the Brahma-viharas, the, the immeasurable qualities of love, compassion, joy, and equanimity. I spoke more about love and, and decided to do the uh, month-long spring cleaning um, retreat for daily life spring cleaning retreat, and I hope all of you are doing it. We didn't get it up on the website quite. Is it up now? Not quite. Didn't get it up on the website, but uh, nevertheless, I, you're welcome to start this week as well. Last week we did uh, loving kindness, and you can do it according to your own schedule. But this week I wanted us to uh, move on to compassion. But you can stay with loving kindness as long as you want. It's all the same. Out of loving kindness, out of joining with life comes compassion. And out of joining with, it all leads to to love, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And when the other week, and this is really about compassion, three weeks ago when I mentioned Carlos, I also mentioned, I I just dropped in very briefly, uh, that my wife was uh, suffering from intense sciatic pain. And she's still, she's still uh, immobilized after three weeks, which is really hard. And, but uh, when I just dropped that in, I got such an outpouring of response and worry and concern about her, which is really what our hearts are, are made for, for that kind of uh, empathic response to whenever we meet suffering. It's so natural to us. But there is a tendency to become 
hardened, to become tight, become to lose that that heart muscle that's so responsive. For for yogis, for meditators, people who are already inclined to openness, this is this is our um, this is our it's nourishment to feel that kind of connection. It's not something that we need to hide away in in fear or. I remember the the first time uh, when I. I think it was almost, yeah, 28 years ago, I started the sitting group in the, uh, my friend Sharda was living in the Castro, and we had the sitting group at her home. <clears throat> and you had to walk up several flights of steps in order to enter her home. And someone walked up the steps that was, that was extremely differently abled had a congenital uh, congenital uh, physical issue. And as much as my value system was to join in compassion whenever I saw someone who was, who was um, challenged by life, my initial reaction was to go, uh-oh, I felt fear. And it showed me, it was, it was actually really, I was quite ashamed of how I felt. And, that I felt this kind of recoiling, and it just, and it was a teacher for me. It reminded me that I had a lot to learn about. My compassion was really um, was the size of a, of a fleck of skin, you know, a dandruff, you could say. It was so small, and I know that my my uh, my compassion is still is still what uh, one of my Tibetan teachers called bourgeois compassion. It's not as though I'm going to give away a limb. And so I, I don't think anybody's really mastered the, the, heart, the heart of compassion. But nevertheless, it inclining toward joining with others in their suffering, it, it does soften us. It widens our being. It, it, it really is the source of joy in our lives to feel that sense of connection and responsiveness. To just today, just even mentioning this, my uh, my wife's um, sciatic pain, she got an email from someone who is a long time, uh, who's been sitting with me at long practice periods for for many years, and he was, just came to my retreat on the East Coast uh, at, at Insight Meditation Society. And he wrote my wife an email. And this just shows what happens when you, uh, when you talk about pain, when, you, when we open to pain. This was his uh, email to my wife. I recently, re- I recently returned from a month in Alaska, and today he goes to these remote places with people to do intensive therapeutic work and a total immersion and helps their, with their transformational process. Recently returned from a month in Alaska, and today I listened to one of Howie's Tuesday night discourses on the internet. It's one he gave several weeks ago, and in it he mentioned that you were suffering from sciatica. He didn't say much, but did say that you were committed to using your suffering to be supportive to others who were also in pain. She just repeated that yesterday, coincidentally. When I heard you were in pain, my immediate response was one of empathy for you. 
It is as if my heart literally quivered upon hearing it, and I wanted to let you know that I was mindful, that I'm mindful of you. What a beautiful gesture. What a beautiful gesture. I have, and, and this came, as it often does, out of his, out of having, uh, having dealt with his own suffering. He says, I have suffered from chronic headaches for quite some time now and have made a decision as well to use my experience and make it larger than myself, to attempt to allow the pain to open my heart to the suffering of beings beyond me. I believe in some small way that this is coming about as, as this morning when I heard of your plight, my first thought was not of myself and my pain, it was of you, then of you and Molly and Howie and how the experience must be impacting all of you. So your suffering has already benefited another, me, since I allowed, it allowed me to see myself a bit clear. So this is how it all, it, we all, we're all connected in this way. This is why people like Rumi say that the, the cure for pain is in the pain. So we can, it's either opening to our own pain that tenderizes our heart, that, that opens that heart of compassion, or really opening ourselves to the pain of the beings around us. So that it's, it's effortless to, that we, we can actually be a presence for someone in, in, in pain. And not have to, and not have to shrink back as I did thirty years ago. So tonight I wanted to <clears throat> to open up the conversation of cultivating the uh, the immeasurable quality of compassion. Now, as I said, we're all works in progress. But it, interestingly enough, when, because compassion is an unconditional quality, it is so inherent in the nature of our beings, that if we, if we incline in that direction, remember the Buddha said, I, and I repeated it last week, whatever one frequently dwells upon becomes the inclination of the heart and mind. And if we remind ourselves of that wish to join with another in their pain or join with ourselves in our pain, if we bring those thoughts and feelings, that sentiment, that wish to mind, and we do it frequently, we naturally begin to reclaim, recover that, that precious heart quality, that richness. I think it's the richest thing about us. You know, that Thich Nhat Hanh line that I often share, you who are the richest person on earth, who've been going around begging for a living, stop being the destitute child, come home and reclaim your heritage. So this practice of cultivating compassion in a very formal way, in a practice way, is one of those ways that we reclaim our heritage. And in the practice of compassion, which I, I want to, to offer tonight, the way we do it formally, and I'd like us to spend a few minutes doing that this evening, is we, we reflect on someone who we would consider uh, somebody who's really suffering. We think of someone who is suffering. And I think everybody here knows someone in their life who, is, uh, who might be called the suffering person. 
And that suffering person may be yourself, but generally in the, in the traditional unfolding of this particular practice, we start with someone who's suffering. So feel free to do that. And I want to offer some phrases that you may want to, uh, some thoughts, some words that you can have the feeling that you are radiating these words or these wishes from your heart toward the so-called suffering being, the person who's suffering. So let's all do it for a few moments, quietly. And since I just realized we're at the 9 o'clock hour, uh, we'll make this our last meditation of the evening, and we'll, uh, after we spend a little time generating compassion toward a person in our life who is suffering, uh, we will then extend that to all beings everywhere, whatever kind of suffering. So bring the person who you know who is suffering into your heart, as though your heart is just has no limit at all. It just can envelop, widen to include that, that person. And reflect on your uh, caring for that person. And reflect on the, the different issues in their life that they're having to contend with, having to be brave about having to accommodate. And the simplest offering of love to them may be just to say, may you be free of suffering, because that's what you want for them. You want their suffering to ease. So may you be free from your pain and sorrow, if, it has, if that's relevant. Or even to say that to them in your, in your heart, in your mind's eye, I care about your pain and sorrow. I care about your suffering. Or something to the effect of, may you find peace with your suffering. Or may you hold your pain with compassion, wishing them to be able to accommodate their pain. So most important is to have a felt experience of the meaning of those words, a felt experience, if possible, of that person and then to feel as though those, that sentiment, that wish, is literally traveling inside the words and piercing the heart and enveloping the being of that person. And if it's yourself, enveloping yourself in that deep wish. 
to have your pain and sorrow or suffering eased. Say, I, to tell yourself, I care about my suffering. May I find peace with my suffering, or may you find peace with your suffering. So feel free to keep picturing the person, keep repeating that wish. Most important is to feel that that joining. Just let yourself feel whatever that a feeling is that that comes with connecting with that person who is suffering. And let it begin to open up. Maybe first of all to yourself and take a look into your heart and see whether there's any worry or fear or grief or dislike, resentment, any rejection, uneasiness or anxiety. Just let them be held in kindness. See if you can allow a friendship or warmth for yourself to arise in your heart. Remembering that you have to be your best your own best friend. Wish yourself well, contentment, happiness. Now with that warm, caring heart, surround the person nearest to you in the room with loving thoughts and fill that person with a wish that their suffering be eased, that they find peace in their heart. And then let everyone in the room be enveloped in these caring thoughts, letting the feeling of peace and compassion and caring touch every person in this room. 
Think of yourself right now as everyone's good friend. This is from Sister Ayakema. She says, think of your parents, whether they're alive or not. Surround them with love. Fill them with peace and gratitude for what they've done for you. Be their good friend. All your near and dear ones, your beloved friends, your neighbors, make them all your friends, your object, your, your part of your field of compassion and caring. Now bring everyone who you have a difficult time with. knowing that whatever it is about them, what drives that is the same desire to be happy, to be safe. Make them your friends. And all those that we know whose lives are more difficult than our own, who may be sick in the hospital, who may be in prison, in an orphanage, in a war-torn land, may be hungry, broken, blind, without friends or shelter. Include them in your caring until there is no one left out of your caring heart. Deep wish that all beings can be free of suffering or find a space of peace with their suffering. Acknowledge that I care about your suffering. And now bringing our attention back into this room, to ourselves, and perhaps feeling the contentment of having made this, what the Buddha called wholesome or wise effort. To feel the the happiness that comes from loving, from caring, And if you can, to let yourself experience the warmth that they create in your heart. May all beings be touched by loving kindness. May all beings be touched by compassion. May all beings be liberated. Goodbye, Carlos. You're still here, though. (laughs) Can't help but think of him without smiling. Anyway, thank you all for listening and being here and practicing. And please enjoy your compassion practice this week. Wherever you see 
what we call dukkha, suffering, that which is difficult to bear, try to join with it and keep those phrases going. May you be free of suffering. I care about your suffering all week long. Four times a day in formal periods, short periods are fine, but stealth compassion under your breath, driving. I love you, I love you, may you be happy. Anyway, good luck. And thank you for your presence here. Thanks for your generosity. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.